CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Three, two, one. I don't want to make empty promises to, to the residents of Illinois without identifying what the issues are. Well, maybe you should have made some empty promises, dude. Wait, I have to say something. Folks, I am not making this up. Dennis and I did not do any pre-show planning. Usually our pre-show planning is not really pre-show planning anyway. We do old Norm McDonald routines, or actually Dennis does Norm McDonald routines. And then I go, Dennis, <laughs> please do this next old Norm McDonald routine. Dennis, please imitate this guy. And then we go, oh my God, we haven't done a pre-show planning. But we didn't even do it this morning because the um, Dennis was taking, his phone died, okay? Anyway, it doesn't matter why we didn't do it. Stop asking questions. We just didn't do it. The point is, he just played Richard Irvin, and I, my opening riff was going to be about DB, Darren Bailey, and Richard Irvin. is like, he read my mind. <laughs> That's Dennis reading my mind. Hmm, interesting stuff up here. Oh, a lot of stuff in the 70s. <laughs> it's a weird mind you got there. <laughs> Uh, I did that routine for somebody else the other day. I was like, say, I'm reading your mind. Oh, there's a lot of porn up here. And I think the guy got mad at me. It was just a joke. Okay. I think we're done. The campaign, of course, is not done. Flannery. We miss you, Michael. <laughs> the campaign, of course, is not done. We miss him. Where did he go? He's still on TV. He's too busy to come on our show. All right, oh. D? He's a busy guy. <laughs> I have time to talk to you and me. Oh, yeah. He's invited you to... His show, and you were too busy for his, right? Well, I guess uh, what goes around comes around. Huh, ben? <laughs> That's what's going around coming around. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, July 27th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. This is where Ben, uh, on his video, does the, like he's smoking pot. He does this thing. ChicagoReader.com. For all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. Sometimes, every now and again, <laughs> what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. Almost forgot the A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. <laughs> Wednesday, July 27th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Worse Than Irvin Wednesday, and here's why. I'll tell you why, because DB, Darren Bailey, the Republican candidate for governor, is a bigger chicken. A bigger scaredy cat than Richard Irvin. Hey, friends, are you ready for government to dictate and control your lives again? You're one step closer. J.B. Pritzker, our tyrannical governor. Uh, D.B. 
right. I got to do a whole lot of explana- explanation. You know, D, I just discovered that not everybody in the city of Chicago listens to the Ben Jurassic show. Shocking revelation. We're at the hideout. <laughs> ah, we were at the hideout last. When was it? Mm-hmm. If I could read your mind, when was it? June. And we were talking politics and I was just reviewing like all the stuff that you and I had talked about down through the last few months about DB and running and Richard Irvin. And somebody came up to me afterward goes, my God, you know a lot about the gubernatorial election. I didn't know all this <laughs> stuff until you said it. I go, well, clearly you've not been listening to the Ben Jarowski show because Dennis and I do this stuff every day. I love it. I love it too, man. I love watching. I love watching Republicans duck and dodge. Here's what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. Let me explain a little back up. As we all know, the early favorite to win the Republican nomination for governor was one Richard Irvin, the mayor of Aurora, Illinois, who basically was a Democrat, but Kenny G, who used to be the richest man in the state of Illinois, said, come here, Richard Irvin. I will give you unlimited amount of money if you just go MAGA. And then you could run. And then when you win the nomination, you can then move back to being what you were, a more or less <laughs> mainstream, you know, uh, Democrat. And that'll be the way to take control of the state. And all I ask in exchange is that you lower my taxes. I don't know if he said that last thing, but I'm pretty sure it was sort of implied. Anyway. Now, do you think Irvin may have cut a deal? Like, now what if I lose? Do I get to keep some of this money? Or? <laughs> Well, it's it. I mean, if he hasn't spent it, I think he spent most of the it's campaign contributions. So I don't, I'm not quite sure what the law is. You should bring a legal expert, a claim legal expert on campaign law, on campaign finances. I'm not sure. You, I don't believe you could spend it uh, as just personal income, like buy a Winnebago or something like that. Uh, not that we sure would want to buy a Winnebago, but you get my point. And uh, I think you have to use it for other campaigns uh, if there's any leftover. Anyway, neither here nor there. So he had a move to the right. Nobody bought it in the Republican primary. I got to give MAGA credit. MAGA proved to be, you know, smarter than the average Chicago Democrat. I would have to say Chicago Democrats, mayors say stuff to me. Oh, sounds good to me. I'll vote for that mayor. <laughs> but MAGA didn't fall for it. MAGA said, no, we love Donald Trump. We want to hear you give a pledge of allegiance to Donald Trump. He wouldn't do it. MAGA said, no, we want to hear you say that life begins with the fertilization of egg, the egg. So all abortion, no matter what case uh, is illegal. Nope, he wouldn't do it. And, you know, I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe MAGA going for a black dude may have been a thing, too. Right. Well, do you think so? (laughs) I don't know. I like Herschel Walker. You know, I mean, that's there is that. Oh, yeah, okay. there is that. There is that. There's that. I will ask uh, uh, Monroe Anderson what he thinks about this when he comes on the show. Monroe's probably eating as we speak or doing his Tai Chi. I mean, that may have been the final straw for some of them. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> Call me crazy. Call me crazy. Oh, my God. The views and opinions of Dr. D do not necessarily reflect that. I'm of just saying. Show. I'm I am just not saying, saying MAGA is racist. Okay. Uh, Dr. D may have been applying that. Though. And sure, Monroe's going to come on in about <laughs> five minutes. And, uh, and agree with you. Uh, so anyway, Mag, <laughs> you know, Mag, I try to give you credit. And then Dr. D basically points something out that probably shouldn't have given you credit after all. You just didn't vote for Urban because you're racist. Okay, whatever. They didn't vote for Urban. They went with DP because they wanted the real deal. They wanted a MAGA man. Oh, oh, MAGA man. I eat meat red. Oh, oh. <laughs> By the way, D, can I just uh, 
do knock down the fourth wall, whatever you say. D- D- Dr. D is looking fabulous. He's got a new <laughs> diet he's on. And you look like a movie star. Oh, I my just gosh. Thanks. Looks very Thanks. Good. He's got, well, it's not just the shades, but he's looking very fit, ladies and gentlemen. No sugar. Ice. No sugar. What's, no sugar. No sugar. Or what else? No. Well, what else? Lo- no to low carbs. Turns out if you go no carbs, you're just like eating grass out in the front yard or something, you know? Wait a minute. Barely anything. a change from yesterday. Uh, are you telling me that you are now eating some carbs? Well, yeah, like a little, you know, not like I I look at the bag and I go, all right, (laughs) three. Cool. That's better than like 20. Uh, I love bread. That's my downfall. Anyway, you're looking great. You're you're looking fabulous. Thanks. Uh, So anyway, so DB uh, just like ripped Richard Urban as all phony. He's not real. He's not mega. He's not one of us. And then when Donald Trump came to Illinois. Uh, to give a um, an endorsement of uh, Congresswoman Mary Miller. DB was right there. Come on, endorse me, Donnie. And Donnie gave a little shout out to DB. Okay. So he was riding that MAGA train all the way to winning the nomination, tying himself to one Donald John Trump. Now the nomination's over. He secured it. It's a good gubernatorial race. But people want to know. Yo, DB, Darren Bailey, what's your thoughts about the ongoing investigation into whether Donald Trump was behind the insurrection at January 6th? What's your thoughts about the ongoing claim that MAGA and makes they insist that the 2020 election was stolen and that Joe Biden did not actually win? What's your thoughts about the future of democracy in America? Should we change election laws from one end of the state, one end of the country to the other to, quote unquote, protect Democracy, as MAGA would see it, to stop future steals, even though there was no steal that happened in the first place, except for the one they're trying to do right now. What's your thoughts? And you know what? To my shock, Darren Bailey, straight talking farmer, DB, Darren Bailey, the hog farmer, not really a hog farmer, who just tells it like it is. Guess what? He put on some dancing shoes. Yes, he called up J.B. Pritzker and said, Hey, tyrannical governor, can I borrow your dancing shoes? And he put on some, we're going to have to call him D.B. Travolta, okay? Because he's out there dancing like John Travolta. Woo! I'm dancing and ducking and dodging. What else? Oh, yes, uh, Sugar Ray. (laughs) Sugar Ray Bailey. All right? He's ducking and dodging. All right? So they ask him, what's your thoughts? Earlier this year, this is from the Tribune, a little shout out to Jeremy Gorner, who's doing an outstanding job of covering his gubernatorial race and uh, the legendary Rick Person. Uh, early, Bailey earlier this year called for rioters who broke into the Capitol to be tried or should be punished. But on Tuesday, he denied that his evasiveness on the topic was aimed at making himself more amenable to mainstream Republicans. OK, now, wait, let me just set this up. This is after Republicans in the state of Illinois have moved to censor. They just like want to whip Adam Kissinger. Adam Kissinger, congressman from northern Illinois, uh, who is one of two Republican congresspeople uh, who has joined the Democrats in investigating the January 6th insurrection. The other, of course, being Liz Cheney. And as such, he's been just branded like in that old TV show. Take off your your uniform. They take the sword. Remember, they broke the sword. Actually, this is like a baby boomer thing. I don't even think baby boomers know the reference I'm doing, D. Bye, audience. Bye, audience. (laughs) 
they're gone. Oh, millennials are like this old man. <laughs> <laughs> this old man. I don't even think baby boomers know what I'm talking about. Branded, Chuck Connors. Forget it, boomers. Just forget it, okay? Uh, I'd like to leave it to Beaver. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> they kicked him out of the party, all right? So then I'm trying to kick him out again. I'm wondering, you already kicked him out of the party. Can you kick him out again? Uh, we're going to bring him back just so we can kick him out again. This was after Thursday's performance, Adam Kinzinger, at the uh, congressional uh, hearings where he was the lead. He got to be the lead asking all the questions and doing the presentation and making comments and statements. And uh, Republicans freaked out. How dare you say anything bad about Donald Trump? So D.B., who rushed, well, over to wherever that uh, rally was, somewhere in downstate. He was in his car, hands wet on a wheel, getting there as fast as he could. Like Lori Lightfoot going through the speed camera lights. Oh, yeah. I haven't forgotten that one, folks. We, we're we going to discuss. Don't worry, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. We must be safe. We must keep the streets safe. We're bicyclists. Very concerned about bicyclists. Meanwhile, her crew is going through the speed. Bicyclists, you were used. They don't care about you. They want the money. Sorry, D. That was a tangent. I shouldn't have gone on. Where was I? Oh, yes. Back to Darren Bailey speeding through those red lights to get to that rally so he could be there when Donald Trump said, vote for Darren Bailey. Now they ask about him, and this is what he said. <clears throat> Remember, folks, he's putting on his JB dancing shoes when he does this one. Here we go. Here, In response to uh, whether they should censor Adam Kinzinger again, <laughs> in response uh, to whether the uh, House Investigation Committee uh, is, what is, it, what is Donald Trump called? A witch hunt unfair to Donnie Trump in response to whether the election was stolen as Donald Trump and MAGA insisted was in response to whether Republicans joined an effort to stop the steal, which all of his voters who supported him in that last primary said wanted. This is what he said, quote, Illinois has a real problem. I'm not running for Congress. I'm running for the governor of the great state of Illinois. And I'm running to represent everyone in this state. And I am laser focused on the problems that we have here in Illinois so we can keep business and families here and protect the business and families that are here. Oh, God. Wimp. <laughs> That's the wimpiest, lamest thing, DB, I've ever heard. You've gone Richard Irvin on me. That's like Richard Irvin ducking the dodge when Flannery asked him the abortion question. Remember, D? Remember that one? I believe the interview's over. Deep, Richard Irvin didn't even say it. Some aide in the background goes, uh-oh, this is tough. I think uh, Flannery asked a legitimate question, very legitimate question by Michael Flannery. This is months ago. You know, sh uh, should they make an exception for uh, outlawing abortion uh, if the woman's life's in danger or if she's been raped? And uh, uh, Irvin's like, hubba, hubba, hubba. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take a stand. Nope. I still believe Richard Irvin would have done better uh, had he just expressed his inner Adam Kinzinger and run with Kinzinger and just given folks a legitimate alternative that wasn't obviously fake. It was clearly a fake campaign that he ran with uh, Kenny G's money. So now we got DB. One thing you could say about DB he was not afraid of his MAGA passions. He was MAGA to the core.
Now I'm watching him turn, try to turn himself into Richard Irvin. I'm like, where's the mega man? Where's the, I eat red meat. I don't even cook it, man. Where's the caveman? (laughs) He's now JB Travolta dancing around all the issues. DB Travolta. Well, I just wanted to show the similarity. because Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he is like J.B. Travolta. That's very good. Sorry, yeah, I'm way back here. You're up there. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to give you a little piece of advice. Waking and bacon doesn't always work, okay? Hey, friends, are you ready for government to dictate and control your lives again? You're one step closer. J.B. Pritzker, our tyrannical governor. Yes. J.B. Pritzker, our tyrannical governor. Next thing you know, he's going to be saying nice things about Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You watch, D. She's not bad. <laughs> She's not bad. What else? Next thing you know, we go, you know, I listen to the Ben Jarofsky show. I like Dr. D. Oh, I said it before, too. Like, Rauner was trying to do, like, some weird southern accent thing that was not the downstate uh, accent. Darren Bailey's got it. He's got the legit accent. Oh, yeah. So really right now at this stage, the only thing legit about DB is his downstate accent because he is, he's moving. I'm moving. I'm moving to the center. I'm so scared. Please don't hold me accountable for everything I said and believe. Kind of sad and lame. All right. Without further ado, we're bringing on the great Monroe Anderson to be followed by also great Mark Wallace. Yes. I have to bring Mark Wallace back. It was actually Monroe's suggestion uh, because of the breaking news. Yesterday, about Lori Lightfoot <laughs> and her entourage speeding through speed light cameras, just too hypocritical uh, to believe. So, uh, and also with the dome over Soldier Field, there's a lot of local news to talk about. And Pat Quinn weighing in, he made rug player. Uh, but Monroe, you and I have a lot to catch up on on what's going on in the world of Trump. And um, uh, I might as well just start uh, with the breaking news yesterday in the New York Times. I want to give a shout out to Maggie Haberman. Monroe said I should always always give credit to the reporters, so I'm going to do that. Uh, and Luke Broadwater, who tag team on this story, it was front page news on the New York Times. It was such uh, important news that um, MSNBC, uh, Monroe Anderson's beloved MSNBC, uh, had to cover it as well. And uh, in this story, they got the emails. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a smoking gun, Monroe. They got the emails where lawyers, uh, Trump lawyers in, uh, let me get the actual story. Trump lawyers uh, in uh, Arizona uh, are emailing uh, Trump advisors in the White House uh, in December of 2020. Uh, They're talking about their plan to contest the election by essentially saying all the votes uh, in cities where black people live should be thrown out. Uh, And (laughs) because, you know, the Republicans have figured it out, Monroe. If you don't allow black people to vote, you can win elections. So right. that's their strategy, okay? <laughs> and otherwise, they won't win for 20 years. Yes. This is the black. If they don't the, cheat, they won't win for 20 years. Yes. They don't cheat. Mm-hmm. They're going like to back to 1840 rules where black people don't get to vote. 1840, not 1940. Yeah, that's what they mean by we want our country back. Yes. Wow. We're back. That is some deep stuff. Uh, so uh, here's what uh, this gentleman, uh, Jake Willenchick, a Phoenix-based lawyer who helped organize the pro-Trump electors in Arizona, wrote uh, to a Trump ally. And just keep in mind, folks, uh, they were contesting the votes out of the Phoenix area uh, on the grounds that if those votes were thrown out, uh, Trump 
not Biden, would win Arizona. So you had to throw out the Democratic votes, then Trump would win uh, Arizona. And they wanted to have a separate group of electors to go to the Electoral College from Arizona and cast their votes for Trump, even though Biden won the state. If this isn't fraud, Monroe Anderson, I don't know what it is. Uh, And here's the email, quote, we would just be sending in fake electoral votes to Pence so that someone in Congress can make an objection when they start counting votes and start arguing that the fake votes should be counted. Jack Willinchick uh, wrote, and then he later uh, sent an email with a smiley face saying, well, maybe I shouldn't say fake votes. I should alternate. say alternate. Right. These guys were open about it, Monroe. They were open yes. about trying to steal the election. Right. Now, they were drunk on power. And when they lost it, they didn't realize they had lost it or wouldn't accept that they had lost it. And so they came up with other ways to get it back. And Trump went along with them, you know, and he was their guy. The, the thing is, they couldn't believe that Joe Biden beat them. They, you know, they've been reading their own press. Mm. And, you know, this whole sleepy Joe thing and, uh, the, uh, all, all, all the, the slams that um, Joe Biden had taken from the, the Bernie bros. So between, between the MAGAs and the Bernie bros, there's no way Joe, Joe Biden was supposed to be president. Yeah. Well, I, to this point, uh, I got a text from uh, Michael Girardi, the Neil Young of Chicago, who coming on the show, a very funny text. Uh, I'm not going to read it right now, but uh, he did a little uh, historical uh, review. And uh, the point of his text was that Democrats have for years uh, underestimated the, the political talents of Republicans, particularly Ronald Reagan, yeah. underestimated him badly, both in, in the 60s when he ran for governor uh, for California and then uh, when he ran for president in 80. But also, I think, Monroe, uh, you point, you agree with this, they clearly underestimated the talents of Donald John Trump uh, in 2016 and then were stunned. Uh, well, with, for everybody did. The Republicans did, too. They, they, uh, remember when they had 16 on the debating, I think it was 16 different candidates, Jeb Bush was among them, and Romney, I think. Or, no, not Romney. Up. Anyway, they had 16, and everybody was more qualified. Marco Rubio, Jed Bush, uh, Ted Cruz. Let's see if I can yeah. do it with 16. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think, was Giuliani in that mix for a while? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure of Giuliani. I don't know if he was in this mix. Yeah. Uh, no, he wasn't in this mix. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so Democrats, but the, the stakes are higher for Democrats uh, because they're trying to hold on to power or gain power, in this case, hold on to it. So when they underestimate a Republican, and I do remember them underestimating uh, Ronald Reagan in 1980. Uh, oh, so yeah. There's a situation. I, I, I did, too. I could, I could, I did, too. Cause I, you I personally? A great B actor. You personally did. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, what Democrats have this notion that uh, a president should is uh, is such a a prestigious position that you have to have like gone through uh, like presidential training school. So like JFK and and one of the Ivy Leagues. 
Yeah, go to an Ivy League, yeah, uh, right. a war hero, or in the case of uh, Lyndon Johnson, you know, a very astute politician, was ran the Senate for years. Uh, and so here comes Ronald Reagan. They go, oh, he's just a B actor. I'm like, yeah, but he, he's really good at talking and selling products. You know, I mean, he was a yeah, Bur- commercial. Bur- 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 yeah, Bur- so it's like, I don't know why you're underestimating this guy. And, of course, he cleaned their clocks. Uh, and Donnie Trump did the same thing uh, in 2016. I believe Republicans. Oh, Donnie Trump didn't clean their clock. Okay. He, 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 he slipped. He, he snuck through the back door. He was yes, a he back did. door man. <laughs> yes, he was a back door man. Uh, yeah, you're correct. I said correct. And he, he didn't even win the popular vote. I right, said correct. Exactly. Uh, all right. But I, my point I'm making is that I believe Republicans underestimated Joe Biden. They looked at him like, this old man can't get a sentence together. Right. This old guy stutters. This guy stumbles over his sentence. I'm like, did you ever see Richard M. Daly? Yeah. This guy got elected year after year after year. He couldn't talk. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, not being able to put a sentence together has never been an impediment to getting elected in this country, Monroe Anderson. You know this. You work for Eugene Sawyer. His nickname was Mumbles. Yes. So I so believe Joe Biden. by the white media in Chicago. But <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, the reporters, white reporters start calling him Mayor Mumbles. They put that in the paper, though, didn't they? Yeah, they, they they put the yeah they called him Mayor Humbles, right? And then Daly comes along. We had to get, get him more than Sawyer, and they, and then I swear, Monroe, this is true. I would have these North Side liberals who love Daly for reasons I'll never understand, telling me, Ben, you don't know how smart he is behind the scenes, right? He really yeah. is well read. I'm like, God damn, you guys have been drinking the Kool Aid. Uh, <laughs> the North Side liberals. Anyway, uh, Monroe, they, they wanted I, a white mayor. Yes, pretty much any white person would do. They would have elected me if uh, right, right, right. Uh, all right. Uh, so, do you agree with me that uh, Republicans in general underestimated Joe Biden when they looked uh, when they you know when they thought uh, about him stumbling at the debates, et cetera, and so forth? Oh, yeah. No, they just they could not believe that Joe Biden beat Trump. Now, I don't know why they couldn't believe it. But, and Trump couldn't believe that Joe Biden beat him. And so that's this. Therefore, we get the um, the big lie that Trump actually won because they couldn't accept the reality that Biden won. And what complicated it was Trump got a lot of votes. He got more votes uh, in 2020 than he had in, in 2016. And that any any presidential candidate had ever gotten with one teeny weeny, teeny weeny <laughs> exception. Joe Biden, who <laughs> won by seven million more than he did. <laughs> That's that. Uh, that is uh, so true. Joe Biden, the the one exception that really matters. And so you're right. I remember uh, Donald Trump saying, "I got more votes than anybody, any other presidential candidate before this in history." And I'm like, "Yeah, except for Joe Biden." Exactly right. Uh, and, and, uh, and this wasn't bocce ball. You know? <laughs> but all right, so they underestimated Biden. 
uh, I actually think, you know what, in retrospect, I, I kind of believe uh, the election was uh, won when in that, I forget which debate it was. It was a debate where um, Trump had COVID and didn't let the world know. Uh, and he was just insane throughout the entire debate, cutting off uh, Biden left and right. And Biden just said, would you just shut up? Yeah, that man. One? Said, yeah, man, just shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, just shut up, man. He added the man. I'm like, well, I hadn't said that one, you know, because I think he just pretty was speaking for America. Uh, right. All right. And, uh, and also, that's when he put the um, Proud Boys on, on alert. Okay. Uh, yes, that's exactly. Uh, by the way, I just got a text from Mark Wallace. He's waiting for uh, uh, his email, and he wants he's dying to join the conversation to talk Trump. Uh, he's like, let me in. Uh, all right, uh, Monroe. So the big question is this, and you've been, pre- you've been predicting uh, this would happen for a long time. I've been doubting you. Uh, and it looks like you may be right in this front. Merrick Gardland. The turtle, <laughs> the tortoise, he's not a hare, he's a tortoise, is crawling. Attorney General Merrick Garland, the pride of joy of Lincolnwood, Illinois, Niles West High School, is crawling toward indicting Donald Trump. It's so obvious to anyone that Donald Trump committed election fraud. He was calling, we have the recordings, Monroe, of him calling the Secretary of State in Georgia and saying uh, 11,870 yeah. votes. Yeah, we have the recording. <laughs> Here comes the tortoise. Oh, I need more evidence. <laughs> it looks like he's he, he may actually do it, Monroe. You may be right. You oh, may he's going right. to do it. He's got to do it. He's got to do it. He was following the, 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 the rule that if you go after the king, you must kill him. Because if you wound him, and so he's he, he's he's been making crossing every T and dotting every I, plus the January sixth uh, com, com, uh, committee mm-hmm. has performed so well and presented their things so much that he he couldn't do anything but deal with it. I mean, it's 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 as plain as the nose on our faces <laughs> that that. Trump is in charge of this, and he attempted a coup and failed. Uh, all right. Uh, happy to say that Mark Wallace has joined us. Mark Wallace has joined us. Mark Wallace and I will refrain uh, for the moment for just taking the deep dive uh, into the latest just staggering hypocrisy coming out of City Hall in the city of Chicago. Uh, Lori Life with the speed cameras uh, has turned into uh, Mario Andretti. Uh, there's a there's a reference that I'm, I'm sure absolutely no one knows except for maybe Monroe. I think Mark is too young to remember Mario and Reddy. Excellent racing car uh, driver, uh, Lori Lightfoot, speeding through cameras. We'll get into that one, uh, but we're going to continue with the Donald Trump conversation, Mark. I'm going to ask Monroe a question, then you jump in. Uh, all right, uh, Monroe, the strategy was laid out uh, by Steve Bannon. The strategy was laid out by Steve Bannon. I will concede this point to Steve Bannon. He doesn't hold back. He tells you what exactly what they're going to do. Right. Up front. Okay. Well, because, of, because of the idiots he's dealing with, he has to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the roadmap. Bring a gun. Make sure there's some bullets in it or you have an ammo belt. <laughs> have a map. <laughs> well, in this case, 
Yeah, don't leave anything to anyone's imagination. You got to let them. It's got to be, it's like me putting together something from Ikea. Every step has to be laid out. Um, so Steve Bannon, uh, of course, uh, strategist uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, he, you know, he is like a MAGA man to the core, a white nationalist and proud of it. Uh, so he's been laying out the strategy that Trump has largely followed, uh, a nationalistic takeover of our country. And uh, he's been uh, refusing to cooperate with the congressional investigators. Uh, he was charged uh, with uh, a, a federal, I think it was a misdemeanor uh, charge uh, in Washington for not responding uh, to their subpoenas. Uh, and he was convicted by a jury. Uh, and when it was done, after he was convicted. Yeah, no, it's not a misdemeanor. It's not a misdemeanor? He's I thought it was a misdemeanor. He's a felony? Get, Is he facing? Gonna, what's yeah, he facing? Between 30 days and a year. Okay. Okay. But yeah, we'll see if he gets any of it. For two counts. For two counts. So um, the, the best case scenario for him is he'll get 30 days where they'll, um, um, what's that legal term where you take both? Um, run them concurrently. Yeah. Yeah. Concurrently. They'll run him concurrently. He gets 30 days. Mm. Worst case. Yeah. And because he's been such an asshole, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. That he he got two years, one year for each count, and not concurrently. No, because that, that that's how our former governor got so much time in jail from being such an asshole, you know, yeah. and taunting the judge and what have you. Well, the difference, uh, of course, of uh, the former governor being uh, Rod Blagojevich uh, is that he didn't have a political movement behind him. Steve Bannon and Donald Trump uh, have uh, roughly 75 percent of the Republican Party behind them. And uh, this is he said it, after the, the trial, after the jury's verdict, uh, he went on TV and he said he, he just pounded his chest and he didn't apologize he right. didn't say I've done wrong. That's why he may get two years. Yeah, he said he, we're going to win in November, and I want the, uh, all those <clears throat> Congress people on the January 6th uh, investigation committee better save their papers, Monroe and Mark Wallace. This is what the man said. Right. Because we're going to take back Congress, and then we're going to turn the tables, and we're going to investigate them. Right. And I, I'll tell you what. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall ever uh, a defendant who has been convicted uh, and is facing jail time having so much what just confidence bordering on arrogance that he will never be punished. And in fact, he will punish the people coming after him. Well, he also is, he, he, he is as, as, well, maybe it's not quite as great, but he too is a great grifter. And so he's making money off of this. You know, this, he's going to get, he's going to get the, the, the MAGA people to send him money. And um, so this is why he's going on it. And if, if he does end up only getting 30 days, then, then he'll do that with, um, with um, jumping jacks, you know, I mean, he'll be so happy about that. He gets two years. I mean, uh, two years, and that's going to be a different thing completely. All right, let's bring in Mark Wallace. See uh, what he has to say about this. We're going to continue the Trump conversation, Mark, before we uh, go local uh, with Soldier Fields and speed cameras and the other madness 
uh, <laughs> that's incurring in my uh, beloved city of Chicago. Uh, so first of all, welcome back, Mark Wallace. You've become a regular on the show. Uh, and uh, your thoughts, Stephen Bannon, put it out there. She's openly defying uh, the the, uh, the Justice Department, openly defying the jury uh, that convicted him, convicted him, openly defying uh, the congressmen who are investigating January 6th with just contempt for them, saying ultimately the people, MAGA, will revolt and put uh, his allies back in power and then he will be punishing his punishers. Uh, do you think uh, he, he uh, are you afraid by his prediction or do you think he's just, as Monroe says, just uh talking smack i'm more afraid of of all of these uh i guess democrats independents and others who are becoming quote unquote trump fatigue um i'm more afraid of those people um not believing that these people want to blow up our government um as we have have it in place these people want to, I mean, Trump said uh, yesterday, um, they, they, Fox didn't even carry his, um, his speech at the rally in Washington. They carried 17 minutes of, of uh, Pence's speech. But these people are, in my opinion, they are entrenched on blowing up our democracy and our democratic process as it stands, that's what they are. And they're going all in. They're going for broke, whatever the case may be, even at the risk of going to prison. Um, they are willing to do that if they can figure out a way or, or they believe that they figure out a way to just go all in from every angle. And it appears that anybody who has a platform, Steve Bannon probably has one of the largest platforms to be able to propagate uh, and to infuse uh, the ig ignorant audience that they have. Um, and those people who have just um, become Jim Jones uh, cult followers that um, this is what their intent is, is to blow up our democratic process as it were, they want to go back to the days where it is nothing but bigoted, racist, white men in charge uh, and to have everybody else who is not a, a white man to be subservient back 50 years uh, or more. I think that that's that's what it is. So I'm more afraid of the people who are supposed to be on our side um, uh, being apathetic and uh, not working hard to make sure that they could get every possible person to go to the polls and vote. The other thing is, is that, you know, we have 140 million poor people in this country and the Democratic Party is not even talking to those people. And 45 percent of those people make up, uh, you know, uh, the the forty five percent of the the electorate in the battleground states, um, and every one of those people are needed. But nobody's talking uh, to them. So that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of our side more so than I'm of their side because their side is telling us exactly what they're going to do. Well, the uh, well, problem is now okay. they're telling us they're doing it. For example, Bannon told them in January, I think it was, to run for everything. Mm -hmm. Dog catchers, school board, you name it, run for it, all the MAGA people. 
so that they can control everything from the bottom up. And they've been doing that. And um, that's a danger. Yeah, no. I, listen, I don't I, I, I don't want to re- uh, review history too much. But every now and then, uh, Monroe and Mark, I think I actually said this to Mark Wallace. We were talking on the phone the other day. I just go back to 2010. And the Obama was president. And Democrats were really feeling themselves. And then the midterms, Republicans took over state houses throughout the country. They had the first of the MAGA revolts and they gerrymandered the maps. And now here we are 12 years later. And this really gets to Mark's point, Monroe. Democrats fall asleep. Democrats don't take it. They don't have the passion that Republicans do. And, uh, And to Mark's other point, Democrats ignore their base or are hostile to their base instead of cultivating it. And so in 2010, the Dems got swept. Republicans took control and they gerrymandered the hell out of legislative districts and state houses uh, and Congress from one end of the country to the other. And now we're stuck in this situation where a majority of the voters could cast their ballots for Democratic candidates in November and the Republicans could take the House because of the gerrymandering. And that, I agree with Mark uh, on this point, Monroe. Get your, your thoughts on this. Uh, the Democrats have just, they haven't realized what's at stake. They just got, they were just so high in the fumes of Barack Obama's, of Barack Obama's uh, campaign in 2008, his victory in 2008, uh, and his Grant Park party, that they just lost sight of what their purpose was as a party. Uh, that's, that's my read of it. What's your read, Monroe? Okay, my, my read, and you, you don't like to go back. I want to go way back. Okay. Uh, when um, uh, America has always been white supremacists in mentality, so if in the 18, I mean, sorry, 1920s, the Ku Klux Klan was in every governmental body from the Deep South to New York. They had a march in, 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 um, in New York where uh, something like um, 20,000, it was some obscene number, showed up in, in, in their robes and, and um, headgear. And, and so we've had these waves, and we're in one now. We're in a white supremacy wave. And so it's not that the Democrats are um, asleep at the wheel, although they might not watch it twice. But the thing is, they can't believe how vicious these people are and dedicated they are to this idea of white people ought to be in charge and anybody else is out of it. Mark, your thoughts. Well, I, I, I think that, um, you know, them not being able to believe it, I, I think that, that that's where I, I think that they're just asleep at the switch uh, in a sense, or they're, you know, just uh, thinking that they are going to be uh, these quote-unquote decent people and not be like these extremists, because I don't call the Republican Party today 
a Republican Party. This this is just an extremist uh, sect of people um, that's headed up by Donald Trump that has just gone off the rail. Donald Trump said yesterday that if he's reelected, that he will get rid of the people who stopped him, which were the uh, career employees, uh, governmental employees that put the, the brakes on the things that he re- was doing or wanted to do. The deep state. Want, yeah, the deep state that, that they've labeled them as the deep state. So these are the people that he wants to get rid of. So what he's really just telling us that he wants to have a dictatorship. They want to blow up our process. And that message from the Democrats or whatever they want to label themselves is not getting out there to to the public, I believe, uh, at the level that it needs to, to, to make sure that the majority of registered voters in this country are still Democratic uh, voters. But they have not incited those people enough to make sure that they can go out and they can win these elections with a monsoon. They can't be close because if they're close, uh, they're going to lose, in my opinion. All right. Well, I... uh I want to get into uh, what happened uh, at uh, last Thursday where Eddie Kinzinger uh, led the, the way at the congressional hearings uh, and uh, the fallout here in Illinois and that, because that gets into the nature of the Republican Party. But I have to follow up on something that Mark Wallace uh, Monroe has been uh, uh, suggesting throughout because uh, there's a uh, it's relevant to what's happening in Chicago right now. And it, the fact that so many Democrats uh, are not paying attention or they're fatigued or they're asleep or, or they're uh, and the party itself is not connected to the base. And there was a point made in a Sun-Times article today, Fran Spielman, got to give her credit, Fran Spielman article. And the article is about Pat Quinn, former Governor Pat Quinn, thinking about running for mayor again, uh, but uh, uh, saying that uh, he wants a referendum on the ballot uh, in uh, uh, on the November election, uh, as to whether uh, Chicago should prevent uh, anybody for renaming Soldier Field. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna get to this issue a little beforehand. But the point is, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has said that uh, she would like to. Uh, she's considering putting a dome over Soldier Field, so maybe the Bears would stay, uh, and financing it by selling the naming rights, uh, which you know, we'll, I think that's a pipe dream that you're going to get enough money, but whatever. Anyway, that's her goal. And Pat Quinn immediately said Soldier Field uh, is a tribute to veterans who served and died. Okay. So we should never rename it and we should never even just have like the, you know, FedEx Soldier Field. No, that's desecration. It should always be Soldier Field. And he says he wants to put this to the voters. Uh, And then there was this sentence that just really sums up what Mark Wallace is getting at. Uh, and this is from today's Sun-Times. Uh, the question will uh, only make it on the ballot if the city council reverses field and agrees to put it there. That runs the risk of bolstering turnout from an already ornery electorate that may be poised to tank their anger out on incumbent alder persons and incumbent mayor. That runs the risk of bolstering turnout. That little phrase, Mark Wallace, says it all. In the city of Chicago, for as long as I remember, incumbent aldermen and incumbent mayors, with the exception of Harold Washington, have been 
what? Preserved by a low turnout. They don't want a high turnout. They're afraid of a high turnout because if there's a high turnout, they may have to enact the things that the people who voted wanted them to enact. And instead, they want to pretend like those people don't exist while they move them out of town. And so it's like, it's the exact opposite of what Monroe says Republicans do. Republicans run for every office. They encourage their people to run for office. They try to fire up their people to run. Here in Chicago, I'll read it again one more time. That runs the risk of bolstering turnout. Mark Wallace, your thoughts? Uh, well, that's what the, that's what the Republicans' uh, victory is. Uh, the lower the turnout, uh, the stronger they have chances of winning. Here in Chicago, the lower the turnout, the incumbents, uh, the, the entrenched, know that they're going to win because they count the votes before uh, the election. They pass out the chickens and they pass out uh, the coupons to the voters in their wards to make sure that they're going to have enough people uh, to elect them and they don't give a darn about anybody else. And the Democrats here in Chicago prey on their people, P-R-E-Y, prey on their people because they just don't care. We just saw an example of that um, a week ago, that that is what they're most, they're not interested in um, what the constituents' um, concerns are. That's not what they're interested in. They're interested in controlling their political uh, positions so that they can push somebody else's agenda, period. Monroe? Uh I agree with Mark. Yeah, they, they don't. But it's not it's not so much they don't care about the people as they care more about their self-interest and their self-enrichment and their family. I mean, they have a lot of priorities that go above the people. And then uh, the people are just window dressing to accomplish the things they want accomplished. It's it's. They appear to be concerned about the people. I mean, much much like what the Republicans right now are claiming that they are um, a national Republican, that their interest is the people. And that, that's the furthest thing from the truth that you can get. Yeah. But that's where politics has gone. And, and part of that is um, the decline of um, newspapers. You know, back in the day, let's, if we go back 30 years, the, the Tribune and the Sun-Times would be competing to see who, which, which politician they could reveal as being a crook. And, <laughs> and yeah. it would matter. You know, now yeah. the media is so weak that you could, you could say, well, yeah, uh, Mayor Lightfoot's people, her security people are, are, are collecting traffic tickets. And, yeah. So, eh, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 we're in a different environment right now. Well, uh, we're definitely uh, in a different envir- environment with MAGA because uh, what Donald Trump uh, successfully did uh, over the last five years, uh, Monroe, uh, it, when the media caught him and reported about 
any kind of controversy was about. Remember when uh, he said he was giving money to uh, veterans, raising money for veterans group, and he wasn't even giving the money to the veterans group? Right. Something like that. That would be would drive anybody else out of he anybody else out of politics. He uh, was just openly contemptuous of the media. Uh, he called it fake news. Uh, he made it seem like he was a victim somehow or other, uh, and so he just neutralized the impact, uh, as Mark well, said, among his followers. He's a cult leader now. I mean, they the Republicans who follow him are are, are in a cult, mm. and so he 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 if he told them to drink the flavor aid, they drink the flavor aid. No question about it. Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, now, getting back to Kinsinger, uh, one of the two Republican Congress people uh, who uh, defied Trump uh, and is participating in the investigation. Uh, there was uh, just uh, this week an effort by Republicans, uh, MAGA stalwarts, um, to censor him. He's already been censored once, I think, but they want to censor him again. They're so mad at him. Uh, and Darren Bailey, I opened the show with this one. You, uh, Darren Bailey, the Republican candidate for governor, uh, Mark Wallace, uh, did not join their crusade. Uh, and it was, I thought it was pretty funny, actually, uh, his response. It was kind of cowardly. Uh, and it was sort of like a Richard Irvin, if you recall, Richard Irvin was running for uh, governor uh, as a Republican, even though he's basically a centrist Democrat, uh, mm-hmm. and trying to avoid alienating MAGA. Uh, without embracing too much of what they believe in, Mark, so that he could more or less be, quote-unquote, credible as a candidate running uh, in a general election. Now I'm watching Darren Bailey do this. This is the maggiest MAGA man in the world. He's too chick to join in the crusade to censor Kinsinger. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, obviously MAGA knows that they're extremists and they cannot win uh, in a state where there's a significant number of independent-minded voters. You know what I'm saying? But what's so scary about them, as it, or, that don't move, that won't stop them from continuing uh, in other states to press this agenda. Do you follow me? So they're trying to win with their extremist agenda, knowing how unpopular it is, Mark Wallace. Well, I, I, I believe that at least they're organized in the sense, even though they're a bunch of um, uh, hooligans, but they're organized hooligans and they, they have a national agenda, even on the local level, their uh, strategy seems to be that you adopt the national um, strategy, even in your local races or your state races, you, you adopt this. Even though you may not win here, but you could help somebody else win there, so um, so that they can get as many of their pe- people in place. Now, you remember that um, the commentator and the guy who uh, co- oh, co-founded Heritage House, Paul Weyrich. Yes. All right. Paul Weyrich was the was the person who came out and says we don't want everybody to vote. We don't want everybody to vote. Uh, because they know that the lower the voter turnout, the better it is for them. Um, and here you have um, Darren Bailey, who I think has less than $400,000 in the bank. Uh, he, he can't seem to get the, the, the contributions that he was getting before uh, when he was running. Um, and he won by some double digits, but he can't even get more than 
Um, I think the last check was he had $383,000 in his, uh, in his campaign coffers. So, but they are going to go with these extreme ideas because they are getting all of those people who were in the back of the woods, uh, in those rural uh, areas to come out and they're being the, um, uh, the flag people for those people to bring them out so that they can get them registered and to vote. When is the last time Monroe or, um, um, or, or, or you, uh, when is the last time that you heard any Democrat um, incumbent that is pushing registered to vote and, and getting people to the poll? I haven't heard that in uh, decades. Outside of Stacey Abrams? No, Outside I mean, in Chicago, no one in Monroe, I can't think of anybody. Can you? Uh, Father Flager. He's not elected. Oh, you're not elected? Yes. I can't, you know, I can't think of it. I'm telling you, the strategy in Chicago is keep people, for, it's the same strategy that Chicago Democrats have as MAGA. <laughs> keep people from voting. And they want the same I, people I, I agree with that. I agree with it. I think that the, I think that the 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 the, the black um, Democrats, uh, as well as the overall Democrats, hey, let's pray on them and keep the majority so apathetic, so uh, so that they have no confidence that they they figure it's a waste of time to just go vote and we will just have our loyalists that will put us back in uh to office keep us in power to uh, push the agenda of our rich friends who fund our campaigns yeah yeah i agree with that point i think that's uh, where democrats have been in in the state of illinois and definitely in the city of chicago for as long as i've been here uh and the one diff time when it wasn't that way was the 1983 election when uh, Harold Washington's entire campaign was contingent on, uh, he wouldn't run until uh, he saw that uh, Lou Palmer and other uh, activists had registered, I think it was 50,000 new voters. Uh, oh, so that claim. Uh, all right, before I move, pivot uh, to uh, Chicago politics, Monroe, I want a prediction from you. Yes. Uh, so you predict uh, that Trump will be indicted, that uh, the tortoise uh, Merrick Garland uh, will yes. get his act together. Do yes. you think that indictment will come before or after the November midterms? Before. Before. Because um, if, you, if, if he lets it go until afterwards, it will be too late. Uh, there's a good chance that the Republicans will take over the House and it will be helter-skelter in America once that happens. And so you you have to to do Trump before then. He has to be, and all these other people, all all, uh, Meadows, Giuliani, I mean, all, all of Santa's helpers have to go too. It's, it's, we have to make what happened during Watergate look like junior varsity in comparison. Well, if you look at the timeline of, of Watergate, Richard Nixon won the election by a landslide right. um, and then didn't get, um, um, well, 
you know, the, 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 his, um, uh, his, uh, his thugs, I'm going to call them his thugs. They didn't get, um, indicted and convicted until after the election. So, uh, you know, he went right into office, you know, trying to, trying to cover it up. I mean, even at the point of offering, uh, what was it, a million dollars or something like that, uh, to pay for, I think, uh, John Dean or whatever the guy's name at that time, uh, to continue trying to cover it up. Uh, so I think that uh, Merrick Garland, based on what I have studied on Merrick Garland, I don't think he's going to be politically swayed. I think he's a very methodical person. He's not going to be uh, um, pressured by, you know, these, this outside um uh, commentary, and I think that we we do that process a disservice when we play into that. We ought to let Merrick Garland do his job. He needs to be meticulous. He needs to make sure that they have an ironclad um, case uh, because you are going to indict a former president that is going to just cause further ripples, but it has to be done. This man is a criminal. And he is leading probably the largest uh, political criminal uh, gang that we have seen at the highest level. Uh, all right. I, uh, I agree with you, but I also, I, ha- I must confess, Mark, I'm one of the people going to indict him, indict him, indict him. Uh, and I'm part of that chorus uh, that's being resisted by Merrick Garland. I think your analysis is, is spot on. Uh, but I'll just point out that the evidence was right there from the get-go. I say this uh, pretty much every week with Monroe. And we, we heard the phone call that Trump made to Georgia. That He made that phone call, uh, I believe it was still December 2020, maybe it was January 2021, to the election officials in Georgia. And I just don't know it's just it's just a sign of how he has intimidated uh, this country that he just gets away with it. And uh, and this from the law and order party. So I hear what you're saying. The, uh, Merrick Garland is a very cautious lawyer uh, and he's going to be very prudent. <laughs> he moves slowly. And you got to remember, he was a former judge, former federal judge. Um, And so, yeah, he is going to and he said this from the beginning that they have to follow the facts. He said that they are going to go after the low hanging fruit so that they can build their case to get the bigger uh, fruits or the root of the fruits, which is Donald Trump. Donald Trump, Trump is certainly the root to it all. And in order for him to go after a former president that has never been done uh, or at least been convicted and, in, in, uh, you know, for for and going to prison, uh, he's got to make sure he's got to make sure. And I think that we've got to we, we've got to be more supportive of that process and more trusting that Merrick Garland is doing what what he needs to do to tie uh, this all to Donald Trump, because it's even though we see it as being blatant, you still have to legally tie it to him so that it is beyond a reasonable doubt that um, it is tied to Donald Trump. So 
There we go. All right. Uh, before we uh, switch it to uh, local politics, I just want to point out, I do believe, uh, just to, to uh, update things, I do believe that uh, Darren Bailey got a, uh, a significant contribution uh, from Richard Uline, the billionaire uh, right-wing Republican uh, who funds the far right here in Illinois. I, a recent contribution, uh, Mark, that I think I saw right before I went on the air today, I think it's like about $11 million, but uh, don't quote me on that one, but I, so it's probably, it's definitely not in the ballpark where JB Pritzker is with his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, at least be able to, um, fund the commercial. Not that I want to watch a commercial of his. All right. Got to ask you this question, Mark Wallace Monroe, you have to weigh in as well. Longtime Chicago political observer, uh, Monroe Anderson as well. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, Monroe, Mark came on the show and took the deep dive on the speed light uh, uh, camera situation in the city and how, because of the perversities, the way it was set up, uh, it, uh, it was unfairly ticketing a motorist in black neighborhoods. Uh, and so the fines and fees were paid largely by people who were violating the laws, uh, the traffic laws being caught in black neighborhoods in large degree because there's more cameras. I can't believe this. Only in Chicago. There's more cameras on the roadways leading to highways in black neighborhoods than in white ones. And so, as you know, Monroe, people tend to speed up as they uh, head toward an expressway. So this just this fact alone tilts things to the disadvantage of folks driving in black neighborhoods. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a statement that Mark Wallace and Monroe Anderson know better than I do. Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in the world. So by and large, good chance that the motorists driving in black neighborhoods are get ready for this Monroe black. So if you tilt, the I can't believe that you're kidding. Breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> On the bender. So you put more of these cameras in black neighborhoods, more black people uh, will be ticketed. Mark Wallace has been pounding this drum for four years, I want to say, Mark, letting everyone notice there was a showdown vote on this matter last week in the city council. Mayor Lori Lightfoot twisted enough arms on the grounds that we need to keep motorists safe so we can't. <laughs> We cannot reduce the threshold of getting a ticket, even though the whole program was largely biased against black people. I suggested, I thought there was a good suggestion. If you really care about safety, put more cameras in white neighborhoods. Therefore, it would not only make it safer, Mark Wallace, but it would put less of a burden on black people and white people will get start ticket. Guess what they said to me, Monroe, mind your own business. You and your dumb ideas. No wonder they fired you from that radio station. So here we have a situation there, that's there, there are no uh, cameras in Lincoln Park. Yeah, that's isn't that astounding? Yeah, right. Because that's unbelievable. Because in Lincoln Park, we don't speed. We drive <laughs> very carefully. Um uh, I've been in cars with Monroe Anderson. Listen. <laughs> White people do not uh, uh, violate the traffic laws. Uh, Michelle Harris said in front of my face, Alderman Michelle Harris, the so-called floor leader, uh, the water carrier for the mayor, said to me, well, we got to have these cameras because black folks are just driving crazy. 
you know. Of course, so, now the thing um, is, Lee, Lee Allen told me. Jones. Uh, uh, yeah, this was maybe a, a year and a half ago or so that he was afraid to go out because black people were being lawless. They were running stop signs, and he said it had gotten wild on the south side. So he 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 ventured out care, carefully. So I so I I don't know whether that's true or that was just his 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 feelings. What? But what? That, that only black people know they speed on, on in Lincoln Park, and they go the wrong way up, uh, go the wrong way on one way streets. That much I know. All I right. Well, Mark, know. address this issue. Do black people speed more than white people? Um, I have, <laughs> I, have <laughs> I have no way of being able to substantiate that, other than the fact that um, uh, I know that. I have 217,000 miles on my car. I drive all over the city of Chicago. I see people driving reckless on the north side, on the south side, on the west side. So uh, I think that reckless driving is pretty equally distributed. Um, and I, I don't think it has anything to do with your pigmentation. Um, so uh, it, here in Chicago, for example, up and down the Dan Ryan at 55th and state at 87th and state at 79th and state are red light cameras. As you get on and off the expressway at 87th street going eastbound, you only have 18 seconds between green and red to get through one of the busiest intersections where you have Home Depot and floor and decor and all, you know, this, this shopping district there. Uh, so you have a lot of vehicles traveling, I think, uh, to the tune of uh, 20,000 cars a day or something like that. Uh, and they have that, that at only at that camera, only at that camera, it's only an 18 second interview. The rest of the cameras, I mean, or the rest of the, the intersection or, or the, the, the lights at that same area on on the east and west side are almost 40 seconds just the one where the cameras are is only a 20 or 18 second interval so what does that mean you're only going to get maybe four rows of cars through there and then you're going to start violating people going through there because you're not going to get a lot of traffic through there that's that's the way it's set up all right listen i was just so everybody knows I uh, probably as equipped as any uh, person uh, in America to address this issue about white people and black people. I've been in cars with a lot of white people. I'm just going to tell you right now, Mark Wallace, there's a lot of white people who speed. I'm going to have to bring Lee Allen Jones on and educate him on this point. Well, there's so, a lot of white people who speed. Okay. But they also don't allow things on the north side like they allow. In the north. Do you know that you can't buy malt liquor on the north side of Chicago? I did not know that. How they is that possible? Allow, they do not allow for malt liquor to be sold on the north side of Chicago. You know what? I I, I was I, I'm I'm I can't even get the words out, which is really rare for me. Uh, <laughs> how could you put that in a law? I mean, is it like a ward by ward law? On it's not a law. It's not a law. They just don't allow for it to be sold because they know that um, malt liquor has a much higher alcoholic content 
uh, than um, beer, for instance. Malt liquors have about a 20% or 26% uh, uh, alcoholic content than, you know, draft beer or, or beers. And they found that um, where there are, uh, they did some sort of analysis to uh, people who drink malt liquor, that there is a higher incidence of crime or violent crime uh, directly connected to people who drink malt liquors. So the next time you out, go to a liquor store on the north side of Chicago, see if you can find some malt liquor. You won't find it. Okay, maybe, I don't know if you, like when you say can't, I thought immediately that it was like against the rules. Uh, well, it maybe. is against the rules. I don't know. I don't know that I can't tell you that it's an ordinance. Yeah. Okay. I can just tell you that it's not done. All right. You won't okay. Find it anywhere. All right. Okay. Uh, not, not, you've created a challenge for me, Mark. I'm going okay. to ride around and run around and see if I can find malt liquor. I don't yeah. drink malt liquor, but I just want to see if it's to be found. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't heard that. I didn't know about that. I hadn't heard that either. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna have the same challenge. Uh, and uh, there's a liquor store on my wa- a route that I walk. Try to get some exercise, Mark. I'm gonna go into that liquor store. It's on the north side on Lawrence Avenue. And I'm gonna say, "Excuse me, sir. I'd like to buy some malt liquor." And see what they say. Uh, and uh, that that is the interesting thing. All right, come on. He's gonna say we got an outside agitator here. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you affiliated with that Mark Wallace guy? Uh, what a troll! No, they're gonna tell. You, they're gonna tell you no. We don't sell it because we don't have a demand for it here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I don't believe that, by the way, at all. All right, uh, but, but that's a whole different story. All right, so, so Mark, so after Lori Lightfoot, I, I just wrote this column for the reader about the uh, speed light camera situation and the NASCAR coming. Just I called it mixed message week in the city of Chicago. Uh, where the mayor invites NASCAR, has a press conference, going to have this race on the 4th of July or the 4th of July weekend next year uh, on the at Grand Park, around Grand Park, and then the next day, he cracks down on speeders. You know, like, wait, uh, don't you kind of see that this are contradictory messages you're sending out? I just finished that. When the story breaks, and you sent it to me, my, uh, I got to give you credit. You were the agent of, of sending me this article from Crime Watch. Uh, Boys Town about how Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, and her fleet of Merrill motor vehicles has they got four tickets outstanding three for speed light cameras one for red light cameras uh, classic do as I say not as I do Mayor Rahm did the same thing they always argue I'd love to hear Monroe's thoughts on this because he served with Mayor Sawyer they always argue that as the mayor of the city of Chicago, it's very important for them to get to wherever they got to go quickly because they're very important, not unlike presidents and leaders of countries. And so the laws that govern the little people don't apply to them, Mark Wallace. <laughs> they got to get that whole entourage through the traffic light, no matter if it's red, green, yellow. Mayor Rahm used to do this too. So Mayor Lori, this is just something up, something else she picked up for Mayor Rahm. Can they be more condescending <laughs> to the folks of Chicago, Mark Wallace, than to run to violate the very laws they say are essential 
to protect public safety? Take it away, Mark. The only time that you will get um, the mayor or these administrations locally to do anything differently, they will do whatever they want to do until somebody like uh, a news outlet or media outlet calls them out on it. When Lori Lightfoot first took office, they were racking up speed camera uh, tickets and red light camera tickets uh, galore, and they were being dismissed, just automatically dismissed until that got pointed out, and then they stopped doing that. Uh, And so now uh, her motorcade, (laughs) you know, her motorcade has, they use regular Illinois plates. They don't even use municipal plates anymore. Uh, so, you know, and I don't know where, why she needs to get anywhere. There's nobody standing on a street corner or in a building with a, you know, scope rifle trying to get her. Nobody wants her. She's not that important. Right. No, 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 nobody wants Lori Lightfoot and they're not targeting Lori Lightfoot. They don't get wherever they're going on time anyway. They're always late for wherever they're supposed to be going. You know, uh, so I don't know why there has to be a rush or why they need to have special driving uh, privileges as, as a mayor. I don't even know why people like the finance chair needs to have security. Who wants these people? Who wants them? All right, Monroe, you weigh in. Defend the system. You were there, Mayor Sawyer. You yeah. saw the demands yeah. on a mayor. Right. Uh, is there a, a reason a mayor should I be saw allowed? It with mayor Washington. I saw it with Mayor Sawyer. I saw it with Mayor Daly. I saw it with Mayor Aram. Uh, and this is the thing: is they have not only do you have the mayor, but you have security. And uh, usually there's one lead car and one tail car on, on security in case something happens. And uh, I, I think Mark was being facetious when he said nobody wanted to shoot the mayor, but I'm sure she gets death threats. I mean, it just comes with the job. Uh, you have some kook who thinks they want to do something. So, you need the security. Harold Harold needed it more than anybody. Obviously, Harold Washington did. Uh, and so, in order to get, and there is an exception with the average citizen during a funeral. You have a funeral reception. I was lying to people going to the the uh, cemetery. Then you people run lights all the time. They go through it because you want to keep the group together as much as possible. So there is, um, you, you can defend that. It, it's defendable, I, I say. Well, that's so defendable. You, yeah, if you get a if if you're in a funeral procession and you get uh, hit with a uh, a red light camera ticket, then yeah. all you have to do is take the obituary to. Um, uh, to the administrative hearing and, and they'll dismiss it. That that's, you know, that's, that's a defense and it's on actually on the books. Yeah. I'm, I'm not suggesting that the mayor should not have security. I'm not suggesting that at all. Yeah. I'm just saying that they're not world leaders and there's, you know, 
you don't have people who are um, coordinating um, these attacks where <laughs> they are, you know, going to be on some, first of all, you don't know where they're going in the first place. Um, that, that somebody's going to be in a building somewhere that they've got to run through every red light uh, intersection uh, that they are. They're not going anywhere, in my judgment, that is that crucial, right? They're not a world leader. I don't want anything to happen to the mayor. I don't want, I don't want anybody out there to think that I want something to happen uh, to the mayor. But in context, if something happens to the mayor, that's a big difference than something happen, happening to a president, well, I, listen, I, the reality is that when a funeral procession goes through a red light, uh, it's a long procession. Everybody knows there's a funeral procession. It's marked as a funeral procession, and they're going slowly. Funeral processions are not violating uh, spe- uh, speeding laws. They're, they're like Merrick Garland pursuing the case against Donald Trump. They're moving very slowly, okay? And they may eventually make it, and I hope Merrick Garland eventually makes it, uh, to where their destination is. Uh, A mayoral uh, (laughs) procession is a whole different thing. They're like trying to get from one end of town to the other because she's probably late or he's late. Rama's always late, too. Uh, And they're probably trying to get there. And there's people that are getting phone calls from whoever's on uh, the ground, wherever they're going, like, oh, the audience is getting riled up. Where are you? How, what's your estimated time of arrival? You know this, Monroe. You've been in those processions. Yes. Uh, and uh, so it's as though they're really important. They got to get where they got to go. I'm just like, just pay the freaking ticket. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Well, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, my, the, the, here, here's here's really the point. Here's the here is the point, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending the mayor, but it is more to the point that this program should not be in place, and it doesn't work in the first place, because um, the uh, last week I saw something that was sent to me from this guy from Block Club, uh, uh, Chicago, that. The, the, the mayor and he's you know one of the the proper uh, propagators of uh, we want for people to speed going 39 miles an hour they never talked about the school zones or people going six miles over the speed limit going 26 miles an hour because it sounds so ridiculous to give a person a ticket for going 26 miles an hour in the first place right you can right. almost walk 26 miles an hour so they never talk about that. They only talk about the things that they could, that makes it sound worse. Like it sounds worse of a person being able to go 39 miles an hour than 26 miles an hour. But in fact, they are ticketing more people at 26 miles an hour than they are at 36 miles an hour. That's, you know, that that's, so the point is, is that not defending the mayor, of not paying their tickets. As a matter of fact, one of their cars is on a booting list, and I hope it yeah, gets, I saw that. <laughs> I, I hope it gets booted. Oh um, lord! Then, then, uh, and I, I wanted to get booted when she's like on a on a visit someplace, and they come outside, and there's a boot on the car. It's not going to happen, Mark. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, we'll now close with the there, security around to make sure yeah, that not happen. What's more likely, Monroe Anderson? The mayor's car to get booted 
or Soldier Field to get a dome? Go ahead. What's more likely? <laughs> the mayor's car would get booted. <laughs> Which is not going to happen. Soldier Field, well, for, Soldier Field will not get a dome. The new Bear Stadium probably in Ar- Ar- the Arlington Heights Bear Stadium probably will have a dome. Yeah. So what was the mayor even bothering with that press conference uh, and the, to generate headlines talking about uh, her great vision for Soldier Field? Why even bother if it's not going to happen? Uh, let me think. Uh, is, is there some sort of election coming up pretty soon? <laughs> <laughs> if there is, and I may be wrong about that, but if there is some sort of election coming up, then perhaps um, one of the people who's up for election might want to make it look like she's doing something <laughs> to help keep the bears in town. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just guessing about it. Well, uh, the other thing is that I believe, now the last time I checked, I, I believe that there are more white people that go to Soldier Field than blacks. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes, lots. So maybe she's trying to play to those white people that she's pissed off, um, you know, that she needs for them to, to give her support. I, I don't yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's that sophisticated. Uh, I, I just know that I think Monroe is absolutely correct, though. This is uh, a last-ditched effort. This, the casino, uh, and NASCAR, boom, 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 uh, our last-ditch efforts to sort of show the people of Chicago that she, like Rom and Daly, is a builder. Right, Monroe? Don't you have to be a builder yes. uh, to convince people that you're doing something? And, then, and right now, they're not doing a good job even trimming the trees, let alone planting trees. So, so there's you know. I'll put it to you this way. If they do bring uh, my proposal for NASCAR, Mark Wallace, I think I may have said this to you, is to make the course a citywide. Every street in Chicago should be turned into a NASCAR uh, raceway. Why? Because that'll be the only way this city will ever fill the potholes. If you make it a NASCAR racetrack, that NASCAR race course around Grand Park will be so smooth. You can have lunch. You could just eat your breakfast, fry your egg on it. So anyway, all right. Very good. Monroe Anderson. Thank you very much. Mark Wallace. Thank you very much. And, uh, Keep up the pressure, Mark Wallace. Uh, don't get discouraged. Oh, I, I got a, I got a, one, one slight correction. No. I've been on this for 13 years, not just four years. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. 13 years, man. And, yeah, and I guess I, I'm considered to be one of the kooks out there. <laughs> join the club. Uh, yeah. Join the Monroe knows they think I'm a kook and. Probably I am. All right, Monroe Anders, thank you very much. Mark Wallace, thank you very much. It's a blast talking to you. We covered a lot of uh, territory in this show today, uh, local, national, uh, and state. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy, without whom this show would be possible. And as Monroe and Mark will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. All right, take care. Take care, everybody.